some of the most unhappy people I know in the world are frustrated artists who, for some reason or another, aren't able to be creative in the way in which they want to be. Hi, I'm Brian Pearson. You are in the cave. We were born before the wind Also younger than the sun And our bonnet boat was one As we sailed into the mystic The mystic cave is a sanctuary for the seeker. Stories, conversations, and reflections about the soulful terrain on the far side of conventional religion. Welcome. Is creativity the exclusive domain of artists? Or is everyone creative in their own way? Co-creation, a term first used as a business model, companies and their customers working together to develop a new product or service, also refers to an understanding of the universe. The Creator did not wind the world up like a watch and walk away. Instead, the creatures themselves were enlisted to participate in the ongoing work of creation, a work that never ends because it's ever new. This would make artists of us all. My friend Janet Handy has joined me once again in the cave, this time to talk about creativity. Jan is a visual artist and knows a thing or two about inspiration, hard work, and the challenges of sharing with the world the art she produces. She and I agree, creativity is a taskmaster, but there's no life like it. Here is our conversation. Jan, I'm wondering if you could describe to me your creative process. And what I'm thinking of is some recent project you've done that went from inspiration to manifestation to completion. What does that look like for you? I have had a seven by eight foot painting in my uh, studio, my apartment, for almost 20 years. And I have wow. worked on it off and on uh, over the years. This your opus, then? Uh, well, I'm not quite sure what it is. It's It started off as uh, trying to explore the interwoven economies of the church and colonialism and indigenous peoples and fur trade, etc. So it's wow. a, I, I first got a Hudson's Bay blanket. And I plastered it onto this seven by eight foot frame. Yeah. And uh, the, actually, the first part was to go down to a to a frame shop that would make the frame for me, and I carried it home on top of a, a Datsun. <laughs> that was the first part of the process. Wow. So I've had this yeah. thing, and I've hauled it around. And every time we move, my wife says, "Do we have to move that thing?" And I said, "Yes, we do," because I have the next stage in mind. <laughs> Yeah. So then I've been exploring with this. What what do I do with this? And I was going to do uh, the fur trade, and I was going to do uh, there's some did some research at the Toronto Library on Indigenous peoples taking Hudson Bay blankets and making uh, coats of them, and hmm. uh, and you know embellishing them with um, beadwork and artistry, etc. Of their own, and so. Over the years, it's it's changed because then all of a sudden there's all these children's graves being found, yes, and all of a sudden yeah. I've got to do something different. And it's not just a straightforward conversation about um, a mutual economy that somehow was beneficial, because it wasn't necessarily. <laughs> in in many ways, yeah, it was yeah. quite destructive. But to to kind of bring it to the to the forefront of now, 
and yeah. you know what all of that economy has resulted in and what what were the costs so it's been around for a long time and i've been working no on it kidding. for a long time and then i wake up in the middle of the night and i say i know what i have to do with that you know that red stole now so yeah. that's like there's this kind of inspiration that comes um but there's also the hard work of getting well, to yeah. it finding space and and a wife that says do we have to move that thing again <laughs> <You know? laughs> that's what that's what it's about it's 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 that's a, a very long journey sometimes and sometimes it's yeah. very quick sometimes very long that's my longest journey in art that i can uh i can explore and it's not over. I mean, this, this oh, is no, an ongoing over, no. project. And when you That's say right. you, you wanted to reflect developments in that whole field of knowledge, then yeah. this could go on forever. That, that's a great example because you caught an idea early on and you've been 20 years wrestling with what to do with it. And, and you're that's working right. at it. It's not just right. in your head. You actually right. have something to show for it. But this right. goes on and on. And yet you're not willing to let it go because it feels important to you. Yeah, it's it's not it's not done. And I'm I'm not willing to have it done until it's done. So I yeah. think and I think that's a hard piece about creativity because people who don't necessarily understand the process see it as wasted time or perhaps, you know, this is this is um, uh, a luxury, you know. Or yeah. it's uh, uh, it's not going to go anywhere. It's not going to go anywhere but your living room. Well, that's okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that's really hard for artists because so much of our economy around uh, creativity in this, in North America anyway, is about, you know, who's going to buy it and, yes. and how much is it going to cost and where am I going to put it? And I, yeah. I spent a good 20 years in Toronto finding places to paint that then turned into condos and there was weren't any artist space left you know there weren't any yeah. cheap artist studios left where you could live and work and so on so yeah, yeah that's all part of the economy we live in and what impacts i think or uh, uh, affects you know your enthusiasm or your energy for it and so on now how about you and music well um so I've I had a a song that I was plunking away on the piano for I'll bet it was five years mm -hmm. and it was it was just a chord progression and every time I'd sit at a piano I'd go back to it it was still there so but I had no idea what to do with it it mm -hmm. so it haunted me I didn't have any lyrics I didn't I didn't know yeah. what it was about yeah. so uh, but it wouldn't let me go and I wasn't prepared is a little like your story and I wasn't prepared to let it go. So about a year, year and a half ago, somewhere, it was COVID, um, I decided to take it off of the piano and try it on guitar, the, the same chord progressions. And I was using an open tuning, so it's all experimental for me. It was just playing, really. I'm playing around going, how now how would those chords sound here on my 12-string mm -hmm. guitar, open string tuning? And as I transferred the 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 tune in my head and the the chords to the guitar it started to emerge as a song and this was a creepy part because this actually this doesn't happen to me very often the song then came to me in an instant i mean i don't mean all the words i still had to sit down and craft it but it's the story of of a uh, and i think of it as a saskatchewan farmer who had this beautiful, loving relationship with his wife that he could never talk about. And so it's called, uh, do I love you? It's that, do I have to use the words? Do I have to say the words? to? Yeah. And the whole song is their life together where it's clear that he loves her, but she has dementia in the end and he has to let her go holding her hand. And it's all very tearful in the end. It's this beautiful <laughs> song that I felt was gifted to me Mm -hmm. Once, what for whatever reason, once I took the chords from the piano to the guitar, the song just fell into my hands, into my lap. Mm -hmm. It was, mm -hmm. and, and now the few times I've played it, like people get tears in their eyes. It's, it's like I've been entrusted to tell someone else's story. I don't know yeah. who this is, I, it's yeah. Like, yeah. but it was there. So, right. so there's something about the inspiration which then requires us to be faithful to it, right? Because that's what your story is about. Your faith, 20 years later, is faithfulness. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and you have to you yeah. have to pay homage to the 
the inspiration, right? Because you're you're connecting with something yeah. far greater than yourself. Uh, I find in artwork, yeah. and it's quite hard to to necessarily describe. But I, you know, I've been thinking about scientists saying the whole, you know, the, there's gravitational hum going on in the whole universe. And when I'm in yeah. the middle of painting, there's a moment at which I no longer am in this space and time. I'm in the painting. I'm doing what I'm doing, and I'm can forget all about time. And uh, I often, Nancy yeah, will say, yeah, yeah. she often has to come and find me and bring me out of whatever I'm doing. Well, um, okay. I want to, I yeah. want to come back and, t and talk about that because, uh, but yeah. first, because you had touched on how people unknowingly, unwittingly uh, can be discouraging of artists mm -hmm. because people are looking for product and um, which this, so I want to talk a little bit maybe about what it means to be an artist. Um, and then I want to come back and talk about those kind of universal connections because i that's really where I want to go. But yeah. so how yeah. did you know, how did you know in your own life uh, that you were an artist such as you were willing to use the word? Well, I, I from my earliest days, I was uh, drawing and making, you know, sculptures and, I'd send as in, a child, even yes, and I I would draw things and send them in for contests to see if I actually was an artist. And yeah, <laughs> I don't know if you remember <laughs> the old uh, pirate drawing that you could do. They were in children's magazines, and you could do a drawing of a pirate and send it in. They tell you if you were had the aptitude to be an artist. Are you <laughs> no? I I've never I'm heard of that. Yeah, did, I and did, did they that, tell yeah. you? Did they tell you? Oh you yes, were an artist? you should be an artist. Yes. So okay, that was good. <laughs> and then. Uh, <laughs> And then I did some drawings for the Anglican Church paper at one point. There was a contest, and I got published there. So I thought, okay, well, you're an artist still. And one thing my parents did do for me is they bought me the John Nagy art kit. Now, that I remember. Yeah. Yep, so I had I, the John Nagy art kit. Yeah, yep. so I, I started there. <laughs> but I never, I never uh, allowed, um, I think for me, I never allowed anybody to take it away from me, whether it was my abuser which we've talked about before in other programs yeah yeah or um you know it, it costs you a fortune to put on a show and nothing sells but you keep going or or whatever yeah. or something sells like a month later when someone saw it and you're you're going what did i put all this work into this for and it really but, is about honoring yeah. the create creative spark that you cannot you cannot ignore and i think one of the the hardest things about uh, people that minimize, it starts in childhood. If you minimize children's play, you're minimizing their creativity. And yeah, in early childhood yeah. education, we talk about children's play as their work. Well, an artist's painting is their work. And yeah. it's it can't be uh, just dismissed. And some of the most unhappy people I know in the world are frustrated artists who, for some reason or another, aren't able to be creative in the way in which they want to be. Yeah, but um, but in your case, you you clung to the identity, like yes, so you yes. didn't you didn't have a lot of what some people have uh, in negative self talk. Like, who do you think you are? No, it was the opposite. It was like this is who I am, and you're not going to take this away. I seem to be able to do that because I had a lot of negative outside stuff. I had a lot of yeah. um, what I would call pilfering, <laughs> you know, pilfering of my mind uh, to try yeah. to to use it for other purposes or to, to say I wasn't very good. And sure, there's times I was still growing and learning and I wasn't very good, but that wasn't the point. Yeah, when yeah. people do that, it can really, it can really uh, set you back, you know? And be harmful. It can be harmful to, to one's sense of self in the world. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, let me tell you a story about, uh, um, I've always been very reluctant to call myself, in the case of, of the music, a musician, because technically mm. I'm not very accomplished. I'm accomplished well enough to accompany myself and to play in a band and to write songs, but mm -hmm. I'm not the lead guitarist. I'm not the guy who, break, who breaks out with a solo. So right. I, I, I've always downplayed that part of me. When I go to music stores, I actually get embarrassed um, that uh, if, if only they knew I'm not really a musician. Like, it's uh, terrible. Mm -hmm. But about 20 years ago, I went to a concert of Johnny Clegg, and Johnny Clegg is a South African uh, musician with a dynamic stage 
performs. Uh, he had put together one of the first interracial uh, bands in South Africa. So there's a whole political history. Um, anyway, he came to the Banff uh, Center here over 20 years ago. And, uh, and I went to the concert, and it was a fabulous concert. The energy was so high. Everyone was up dancing in the aisles. And, of course, the end comes, and everyone gives them a standing ovation. I stand, and I'm clapping, but I, I can't actually breathe because mm. I'm crying. Mm. Like, I wasn't weeping because I was trying to contain it. I'm, but mm -hmm. I, there's the lump mm -hmm. in my throat. I have tears in my eyes. And I think, what? is going on here mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. i loved the show he didn't make mm -hmm. me sad <laughs> right and right. Th and then so that happened and then i think it was the same winter maybe a few months later i heard david francie who is a he usually he sings just himself with a guitarist very folky and very accessible celtic type of melodies same thing happened i heard a whole you know, evening's performance from David Francie. And at the end, everyone's standing and applauding. And I feel like I'm going to start crying. Mm -hmm. And I thought, okay, what is going on here that I would feel sad at something that is making me so happy? Mm -hmm. And of course, the answer was, I want to be doing that. Right. I want right. to be doing, I want to be that guy on the stage. I want to be yeah. Johnny Clegg. I want to be, and it, it sort of kickstarted me to go get back and start taking my music and my songwriting seriously again. And and mm -hmm. luckily I'd met a, a friend uh, at that time who was a blues guitarist and played in lots of blues bands. And he and I started playing together and that just the timing of that was okay. Now I have someone to play with and we began playing publicly mm -hmm. and the, mm -hmm. and the tears went away. So, yeah. so uh, since I hear in your story, you knew who you were and you clung to it. I didn't claim it and I suffered for it until it felt like you have to claim this. This is mm -hmm. part of who you are. Mm -hmm. And now I can say 20 years later, I'm a happy man. Yes. <laughs> no yeah, one's yeah. heard most of my songs, but <laughs> but I'm doing it. I'm doing yes. it anyway. Yeah, I'm yeah. playing when I can and stuff. But energy is important, I think, to to pay attention to the flow of that because when it gets yeah. obstructed, it's very un a very unhappy place. Very unhappy. And I think, I think there'd be a lot of people who's, um, uh, if they're experiencing sadness and depression, and I mean, there's lots of reasons for that. Mm -hmm. But one of those, as you were alluding to, creative people not being creative, I'm sorry, mm -hmm. that's, that's a soul destroyer. If you're made that's to be right. a creative person right. and you don't allow yourself to create, there is some part of you that's dying. Yeah. And, there, and in, in many ways, like there's been times when, uh, for instance, I had to stop pounding clay because I'd hurt my hands doing it over the years. And uh, so I had to switch, but I, I, I found a way to switch. I, I moved to painting and I, I uh, moved to, you know, carving in wood and so on. So sometimes we have to reinvent ourselves. I think when one path of creativity is closed to us for whatever reason, yeah. you know, creative people have to then create no matter what in some way, uh, some way, yeah. I don't care what it is just some way create so that you're not lost in the universe wondering, you know, where yeah. your identity went. Cause I think that's a big part of it. Yeah. And, and you were starting to say, and I want to go back now to what you were starting to say about when, when we follow those creative urges, regardless mm -hmm. of the product that right. may or may not result at the end of the day, when we're engaged right. in it, we are engaged in something that feels well, what's the word, spiritual or soulful? Like we're a part of something bigger than ourselves. Say more about that, because that's what you were starting to say. I'm going to use the word cosmic. Okay. <laughs> I think we're connected, you know, co cosmically uh, to life, energy, life force. And uh, creativity to me is is whatever form it takes, whether it's in the arts or in some other way, it's, 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 it's connecting with uh, that life energy. And, um, yeah, I think artists in particular, I can only speak for artists, uh, feel that very, uh, intimately, um, and is profoundly personal connection to a life yeah. force that you're, you feel like I feel sometimes that I don't know where all this comes from. And so you have to become kind of a channel to, to have a path to get it out on the canvas or wherever, yeah. Yeah. um, 
and I know other artists speak in the same way is is that there's this there's this I get lost it's a, it's a to me I've often called it my prayer life or my meditation life because once yeah. I get over the hump of getting started I'm there and it's yeah. it's a hum it's a yeah. it's a whisper it's silence yeah. and beauty it's 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 and it doesn't matter what you're creating whether it's a you know some sad paintings or happy paintings or whatever once you give yourself to a particular project so you've got you've had some inspiration and now you've made a decision okay i'm going to explore this there's a way of it getting into our blood and and not letting us go and when you say nancy has to come and and call you for dinner same in my household (laughs) Because uh, when I get working on a piece, and now I'm thinking of the writing that I'm doing, not so much the music. Um, When I'm working on a piece, I can work for hours until my back hurts. And I forget everything else because I am so engaged in the act of exploration. It's, I mean, some of it is, yes, I'm working hard at the craft. But the reason I'm working hard at the craft is because something is pulling me. And yes. so I'm trying to figure out what it is. And, it, and when I'm writing, it's, okay, that's not saying it. That's not it. How can I come at this another way? Right. And, and as you say, hours can go by and uh, we are engaged in it, whether it's happy or sad. It just feels, it's like there's no other place you want to be, right? Mm, right. Yeah. So there's been times in my life where I haven't been able to sleep because I, you know, I've, yeah. I've went to bed at thinking I was done for the day and I had to get up and, you know, do another part of it because it wasn't oh, yeah. done for the day and I didn't want to lose that energy that was there, you know. The muse is a, is a cruel, is, a, is really a, <laughs> a, a cruel force because the muse could care less about eating or sleeping right, or, or, sleeping or having relationships, could yeah. care less. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I want to go back. Uh, just um, when you said lots of um, artists have talked this way right now, I'm just reading a book by Rick Rubin, who's a well-known music producer. Uh, and the book is The Creative Act, A Way of Being. And what he is saying, he, he's saying exactly what you were saying. So he's in the recording studio with a band, you know, who who have their formula he doesn't care about the formula. He wants them to be open to what is the universe calling you to? And whatever mm-hmm. rules, whatever boundaries you may have come in with thinking this is how you make a hit record, they all have to go so that you can try playing this on a toy piano. Why mm-hmm. don't you or try, let's try this on a flute. Like mm-hmm. he's constantly mm-hmm. breaking open people so that they can find again their childlike uh, wonder at making right. music. Because ultimately, he says, what you're saying, there is something other than you, in you, trying to work through you. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and therefore, as an artist, your job is to pay attention and to obey that. And does not this sound right? It does. I think, I think that there's a synchronicity, you know, between the self and the cosmos when this happens. Yeah. And uh, for people who don't experience that, it's very hard to describe because it's, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's uh, its own high, so to speak. It is its own high. Yes, it is. It's also a taskmaster, as you say, and and people do suffer for their art because of it, you know, without getting, you know, weirdly romanticizing that it, it, people, who don't create when they should be uh, suffer, I believe. Well, and either way, there's pain. I mean, if you if you if you don't obey your muse, you're going to be in pain. And if you obey your muse, you're going to be in pain. Yeah, so, what kind of pain like, do you want to tolerate? <laughs> you know? Yes, uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, because there is something about when an inspiration strikes, use it or lose it. Like I That's have right. had, I've had lines of a song occur to me when it hasn't been convenient to go and work on them or write them right. down. And right. when I go to return them to them later, they're gone. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. God, like that presented itself for about five minutes. And um, I think it was in Rick Rubin in his book, he was talking about- you have about, to have one of those little recording devices and just whisper into it. Isn't that? Yes. <laughs> well, he was talking about a musician who takes it so seriously that if he's at a dinner party, he'll leave the table. And everyone yeah. understands that's what he has to do. He's he's going off yeah. to you know to write something down. That's so I'm not that slavish about it. But but you realize that then the pain of if you don't follow the lead that's just been given you, it could be taken away, and maybe it's being given to someone else if that's how it works. Yeah. 
Yeah. And and it's, it's a mysterious it's a, kind of thing to me. It is. And 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 it suggests that it's more than just about making art, although I want I want to talk about that. But it's it's about almost a way of living that you're open to the universe. And this is where creativity, I think, crosses over with spirituality. A kind of invitation to constantly be open to what is happening now, especially in those what are they called? Kind of liminal spaces, you know, where there seems I seem to be having some perceptions about this particular thing. I don't know what, quite, quite what it means, but I don't dismiss it. I stay right. with it until it, it's got some kind of some kind of form. And that is actually, when I think of it, how we live our lives if we're if we're living mindfully, like we're paying right. attention right. to whatever is 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 happening. It might be the person who's just crossed my path who for some reason this feels very timely to have this conversation with this person. It may be a thought. So mm -hmm. this is bigger than than just artwork. But before I go there, because I do want to I want to I want to talk about some of the bigger picture of creativity. Um but there's another book that I read a couple of years ago that really uh motivated me by kicking me in the ass. It's called The Practice, written by Seth Godin and it's subtitled Shipping Creative Work. Now, what, hmm. what Godin says is that we're all creative, but if you don't share it, then it doesn't count. And he actually says that. It just, it's flipped open to the page. About shipping, he says, shipping is important because it doesn't count if you don't share it. You may be creative and have all these marvelous ideas, but he's saying the, the reason you have all those creative ideas and possibilities is to bless the world, is to be a gift to the world. And so he really pushes this whole notion of shipping. If, if you told Seth Godin about your seven by eight foot mural, <laughs> yeah. I would wonder if he wouldn't say, well, you know, if you're not, if you're not getting it out there, then uh, what's the point? Which feels cruel. Right? Because you do want to get it out there at some point. Well, what do you yeah. think about the whole notion of shipping, the importance of shipping? Oh wow. That's a that does feel cruel. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I my first reaction is, well, um there's tons of things in the way of getting it out that may not have nothing to do with you. So does that not count True. still? True. It's a self healing process, so does that not count? Yeah. But I, I mean, I can see uh, if we're talking about the benefits of creativity to others, uh, if they see what you're doing and it somehow impacts them or fills them with uh, even sadness, you know, that then the fellas, you know, that you were you were shedding a tear about yeah, um, yeah. that prompted your own creativity. We're talking about that kind of exposure then i think yeah that's that's probably true it it doesn't count to the rest of the world maybe um yeah, yeah. whether or not to, to, it counts for me and if that's enough that's another question to me i, but, I, I think he i think he's being way harsh if i may say in well, he's that. being tough on the on on the notion that the artist can somehow get that out there easily maybe I'm not sure. I'm not sure. And because he's I don't not, well, think it's that easy to get it out there either. No, it isn't. But he's no. he's saying you don't have to be a commercial success. You right. just have to put it out there. And that means if that means giving it away or doing yeah. street art or or uh, and 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 the other thing he says is um, in shipping. And once you're you're putting it out there one way or another, you've done your job. How the world yeah. responds to it is not up to you, and they may love it, they may hate it, and it may send right. you back to the drawing board saying, well, that didn't work very well, but you won't know unless you put it out there. So yeah, yeah. He's, he's, he's really quite harsh on this because the thing I want to say as a corrective, and I think you're saying the same, is there's a lot of benefit for a creative person doing creative things that are not obvious to the world. Like if somebody right. has a hobby, that yeah. may be entirely about in this space and this time when I do this hobby – I am at peace, and I, I and yeah. I'm at peace with myself, and I'm joyful. And there's yeah. and there, what's wrong with that? Nothing. Yeah, yeah. I think, I, yeah. I mean, I what I'm hearing him say is that 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 there has to be a dialogue outside oneself to know what that that it's it works 
or it's good or it's not good. I'm not sure what the purpose is um, to the artist themselves, except that we do want people to see the work. We we want to share it in some way. I mean, I certainly have made a million Christmas gifts over the years, you know, <laughs> specifically because that's what I wanted to give that person. I wanted to give them a piece of my artwork. Whatever. Yes. Because I yes. knew it would mean something to them. Um, yeah. I've had shows and been terribly uh, disappointed at times and really excited at others by yeah. the reaction of the outside world. Um, yeah. But sometimes, but for the most part, I think to stay true to the energy or the force, you've got to pay attention to its needs for you as the yes. artist, I think. As, if, as you're a, gonna, if you're going to keep in touch with it. That's what right. What happens a, after that? Yeah, maybe he's got a point. I'm not sure. I absolutely agree with you. Because because the first faithfulness is to the inspiration itself. And that's personal. Right, right, that's, right. It's not like, is this going to sell? What are people going to think of this? Right, My first right. obligation is to the inspiration and, yeah. and to work away at that. Uh, and I think... I think he would agree, although it's been a while since I've read the book. He just would go fairly quickly to, yeah, and once once it's done, where does it go? You put it out there because the world is waiting. The world needs your gifts is the kind of thing he's trying to say, which is very nice to, to hear. But don't be a taskmaster well, about it, I would just say. Well, I, in, yeah. in that sense, um, I would say there's a lot of art that's not shared that needs to be shared with people because it, it does transform the world. I think, I think that's the other piece. The other side of the coin is from the personal is the artist in community has an incredible role that continually gets minimized or side, side, sidelined in favor of, of economy. And When that happens, I think we all lose. So in that sense, I, I understand, you know, what he's getting at. It, it, yeah. it, it can change the world, you know. Art that, and that, yes, that world. is what he's yeah. saying. And, and, yeah, and yeah. It has no, your hobby has no way of changing the world uh, if you keep it to yourself. So, right. But I would say, and I think what you're saying too, is there is a place for hobbies. There's a place for creativity that's just yeah. for me. This, and, and it's an indirect gift to the world because I'm a happier person if I do my hobby. So I'm right. I'm a happier person in the world. I'm the gift to the world. But otherwise, it's saying if we're creative, then it's got to go out there. But here, so here's, but here's the question that I, 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 I want the answer to be yes, but I don't know <laughs> that it is. Um, is everyone creative? Is everyone truly creative? Is that a part of our human nature? I want, you know, yes, there, well, let's move on. But we all know that some people, it is, just as you were saying, we are blessed and cursed with a creativity that won't let us go. And for other people, that's not the case. They don't yeah. feel driven by inspiration. But w- what would you say? I don't, I, I think everyone could be creative. I don't think everybody expresses their creativity. And, and so there's, hmm. I think, um, and I think whether they could or could not, is very much dependent on their their interest in pursuing that or their level of uh, personal awareness about it. Yeah. Um, so that I think it's it's not necessarily a a black and white question. Um, but you'd say we all have the potential. I, I think I think so. I, I yeah. think in North America, though, we 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 only celebrate a certain kind of uh, creativity, and and that's that that makes money and. I think that leaves a whole lot of other stuff yeah. out. Um, and then I look at people around the world and other situations that where, you know, poverty or whatever doesn't allow um, a lot of introspective uh, time, but yeah. there's an incredible amount of creativity that can come out of that. Yes. So I yes. don't think it's a straightforward um, uh, path always to get to that. Am I a creative person yeah. or can I be a creative person? I've had people say to me like I can't I can't even think about picking up a lump of clay I wouldn't know what to do with it. I said, "Well, but what else do you do in your life that gives you and this life energy, you know, because that's yeah. really that's the location of it. It's not necessarily in the product, it's in the location of the energy. When you find the isn't, energy, you find your path." Well, and that I think is a possibility. Isn't that true? The yeah. so 
even amongst, for instance, the scientific world, there's a creativity in what you do with the data, what you do in right. terms of understanding a context. Right. So in, in Oppenheimer, we, we see these incredible minds who yeah. have yeah. access to all this data, but to be able to do something with it is a creative act. I think of, of people who are happy gardening in their backyard and that is a creative act that actually it it may only bless yourself and your neighbors. You know, you may not be posting pictures on Facebook about it, but <laughs> in the act of gardening, there's something being given back to the back to the world. And th that person may say, "Well, I'm not creative. I can't do creative things. You just planted this whole garden back here, and the garden is inspirational." Mm -hmm. I would wonder, even within the within the business world. The mavericks and the people who come up with ways of doing business differently, is that not a creative act? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, I've often thought of, of creativity as much broader than the artist. Um, but I think you had said that you had recalled, may even have a copy of the class, it's now a classic about 30 years old, The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron. I, yes, a spiritual I did have it. Path. I can't find it. But yes, I read that at the time. Do you know, so it came out 30 years ago. And I, for 30 years, I have seen this every time I've gone to bookstores. I, like this is, this has jumped off the shelf and I've never bought it until I knew I was going to be talking with you. So mm -hmm. I went out and, and bought my first copy of Julia Cameron's The Artist's Way. Because she does believe that everyone is a hidden artist. Mm -hmm. Everyone mm -hmm. is creative. Mm -hmm. And and therefore need to cultivate it. And what and what she yeah. she offers is a kind of a program or a course which you can do by reading her book um, of unlocking your creativity. It doesn't matter what the you know wh what the context is within which you're doing your creativity. Two of the, but so to cultivate creativity, she's saying there are two main rules that she gives everyone. One is write three pages a day. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I have to admit, as she said that, I thought, you can't make me do that. You can't make me, she, because she's saying it doesn't matter what you write, <laughs> but you write three pages a day and you don't stop until you get to the end of the third page. And if it's drivel, you're not writing in order to write an essay. You're not writing to figure That's out your right, dreams yeah. from the night before. You're just yeah. writing because she said in the process of just acknowledging whatever is coming out of me, I am being gifted with all these possibilities of things I might explore. I might mm -hmm. do something with, mm -hmm. but she said, you do it every day. And then, and although I had a friend say to me when I was saying, I don't know, I don't want to be doing that. And she said, but Brian, you're already a writer. You have no problem writing. I thought, well, that's true. <laughs> so this may they not be you, for me. <laughs> She's saying it's for everyone. At art school, they made us do these big circles on the page, and I had the hardest time wasting the uh, the full scap stuff that I with the paper. <laughs> I didn't want to waste the paper, but, but it was. But there, it's that kind of thing. But like there must that, be something to it, like the, yeah, that's right. It it loosens up your arm, it loosens up your body, you start to flow, right? But yeah. Okay, but the, the second one is the second thing you said. She said you must do is you must. Make for yourself each week an artist's date. Mm -hmm. You have to go out and do something for yourself to stimulate yourself, your interest right. in something as an artist. And so, yep. and again, she's not thinking if you paint or if you write. Or she's not thinking of this. She's thinking artist in the broadest sense. So um, to stimulate your creativity, go out and, and do something. So I had this in mind, and yesterday... Um, I had a little bit of time because you and I were going to talk yesterday and then we decided today would work better. And so it gave me a few hours in the afternoon and I thought, okay, I'm going to go on an artist's date. And I'd been talking with my son about Value Village where they sell used clothing and, uh, and other things because I'd never gone. I thought, why not? I'm mm -hmm. going to go to a Value Village and I'm going to just see what that's about. Well, it was a regrettable experience. I mean, it really was because it was packed. People were buying because the economy is such that right. the places like Value Village, and I think it's owned by Walmart. So it's not like you're actually participating in, in some kind of, you know, social goodness. Mm -hmm. um, but the, so I spent about a half an hour 
wandering around Value Village, going through the men's clothing, kind of seeing, you know, shirts that really shouldn't, no one should have been wearing that since 1970. And there it is. But so I walked, I walked away initially thinking, well, that was a bust. And then I realized, are you kidding? You now have this whole file called Value Village that you can pull out sometime when you're writing and you want to use some of those images. You've just Mm -hmm. given yourself something to work on. And it really was quite, um, quite brilliant. Um, Anyway, so. And you located it in people's struggle to survive. (laughs) Yes, because there was a social context. Well, of course, why wouldn't you? What's wrong with coming here? I'm just too Mm -hmm. much of a snob, I think, myself. But (laughs) I want to ask the question, what are ways that we can cultivate our creativity, whether or not we see ourselves as artists? Well, I, I mean, <laughs> I'm a great moviegoer hmm. if I can do it, because I find that that is just the whole experience of the big screen and the storytelling and everything. I drink it up. Yeah. And that always uh, gets my, my creative juices going. Hmm. I... I will do a little piece of some piece of art in the daytime that isn't going to get finished, but I'll do a little piece of uh, a miniature or something that'll get my creative juices going. I, when I was writing my book, I had a friend who told me, well, where's the next page? I want the next page. Hmm. And I set up that outside voice so that I would get it done. Um, And I had to, and I wrote no matter what, right. Until, until it was right. Um, But, having those kinds of forays into um, your art psyche is, yeah. is important. Yeah. Um, whether yeah. it's taking a walk, whether it's, you know, listening to music, uh, whatever, those moments uh, are what feed that, that energy, right. And that life force. And so then hopefully it sparks yeah. your imagination. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so those well, are things so, I so true. And, and if we do it intentionally, yeah, with a sense of curiosity about them, about, uh, well, let's, let's explore this. I think one of the, the um, hardest things for people to claim their own creativity is the negative self-talk, right. that uh, who do you think you are, you know, right. uh, kind of talk. Um, right. and, um, and I think there are some ways that people can overcome that. But because one of the things we do is we think if somebody's thinking, I yeah, I would love to be a singer. What they do is think of Beyonce, or mm-hmm. they think of Taylor Swift, yeah. and yeah. think, well, I'll never do that. Of course, you'll never do that. Professional yeah. singers will will be a whole yeah. lifetime singing and never do that. Why do you look to that? But something that we can do, and this comes out of the work I was doing with the Animus Valley Institute about how do you cultivate a kind of um, na- nature-based spirituality. But one of the things that they talked about is you can actually meet with a group of trusted friends and you can say to them, uh, four or five people, I want you to come over to the house because I'm trying something out. I've never done this before. It could be um, I'm trying out uh, doing some um, sketching. Uh, It's new for me, but I want to show you what I've done. And because they're a group of trusted friends, it's implicit, though you could make it explicit, their job is not to criticize. The job mm-hmm. is for them to witness what you're doing. And I think you could do that with, with music. Like I've often thought, why haven't I, why do I always think I have to have a concert somewhere where people pay to come in here and, and, and there have to be certain mm-hmm. numbers? Why don't I just have four or five people over and say, here are half a dozen new songs I've written. I want to share them with you to see what you, what you think. Like mm-hmm. we could break it down, right? And make our creativity um, baby steps rather than giant leaps. I find that a little more difficult when I'm doing artwork because it feels like such a private process. Yeah. yeah. Um, and until it's done, I don't like, don't like to show it till it's done. Right. Um, and I, yeah. I, I think that's part of my early tenacity about holding on to it for myself. So that's, yeah, that's that, a little diff, different protective. That makes, that makes sense what you're saying, yeah. because uh, now you have a piece of work that you don't want to show until you feel good about showing it. So that may, and I'm the same, I'm the same way. Um, mm-hmm. When I write a new piece, I don't want to share, there's a part of me that wants to share it immediately because I'm excited. Oh, I've just written this piece. But it's what Anne Lamott, the writer Anne Lamott calls always the shitty first draft. Mm-hmm. Like there's no way around it. 
the the first draft is going to be the shitty first draft. Right. So the world doesn't get to see this until I'm ready. But if somebody's never put anything out there at all, this might be an interim step, right? Where right. they just simply um, show it or share it with a couple of friends. Yeah. I'll I'll do that with yeah. uh, my spouse and I'll do that with one yeah. or two friends if I'm trying to develop a, a piece and I need some outside input because I'm stuck or something. I'll certainly do that. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I, I went back to art school at 40, even though oh, I did had you? a, yeah, I had a, a BA in fine arts. I'd done animation and um, went on to Trinity, etc., cetera, uh, Trinity college and so on. But then I, at the end, when I left the church uh, and I was struggling so much to find myself again, I um, went back to art school to hone. I wanted to paint because I couldn't sculpt anymore. I yeah. mentioned that I ruined yeah. my hand and uh, I wanted to paint. And I realized at art school, I, I really didn't have a good foundation in painting. Huh. So I went back to art school and I found a, uh, an artist named uh, Teacher mentor named Brian Brian Burnett. He was an artist that had stuff down in the roundhouse in Toronto and so on. And he was a teacher. And I said, I, I just want to paint. I don't want to take another whole degree. And he said, that's fine. Um, and he let me paint in his class, which was a painting class. That's what it was, straightforward painting, for three years in a row without having to do any other lessons. I paid for that class. I didn't have to pay tuition. And it just to have someone like that who really yeah. hears you and what you need yeah. was fantastic. And I was in a group of people, many of which were older people and younger people, but older people trying to, you know, a couple of us were trying to kind of find that voice again that we had yeah. lost for various reasons or we hadn't yet developed enough. Um, and it was yeah. phenomenal. And I was part of student shows and all that kind of stuff. And it was great. And I sold a piece uh, to a fellow who put it in an indigenous center. And uh, like, it just felt like a wonderful time because I was finally as a 40 year old able to kind of yeah. shed everybody else's opinions about what I should be doing. I love and that. Just do it, yeah. you know? So it, yeah. it just catapulted me into, you know, defining uh, my adult artist as opposed to the childhood artist. And yeah. that, that made it really my own. That kind of brought closure to that whole identity piece. It makes me think of a writer's group that I belong to. Um, we all met because we were doing a program together at a writing center uh, right. as to develop us as authors. And we've kept meeting. And that's got to be four, four, maybe five years ago. Um, and and we meet and we sometimes meet just to kind of, you know, what are we doing and uh, you know, how are things going? But uh, the best times are when we share what we're working on and we read our pieces to one another because it's right. a supportive group who, if you ask for a critique, they'll offer it. But more than more often, it's really just they're there as the kind of like group mentors or mutual mentors to one another to encourage mm -hmm. each other to keep to keep going. So that can be really important. I want to wrap this up. This is we could keep talking about this because we're both quite passionate about it. Um, what are you working on now? Apart from your your seven by eight foot mural, or it's not a mural, but uh, what do you what where do your um, creative energies tend to, to to come out these days? Well, I'm I'm doing a lot of miniature stuff. I have a miniature house that I'm building that I've wanted to for years since I was a kid, um, and that. Yeah that is um, my struggle there is like, I want to build it like a real house, but it's a doll house. So don't do that. But that, <laughs> I want, I want working plumbing and things, you know, <laughs> so, that's my struggle. <laughs> but, You're being too also, literal. <laughs> yeah, I know. But I also have five projects that I have set aside to do yet in my life. And one is this big painting. I have another series of big pieces that I worked on that were kind of wall collages of, of different paintings kind of fitting together. Something called uh, Crowd. Uh, and it's based on um, like a central focus uh, in one piece. This is like sculpted pieces of wood. So yeah. one piece in the center that's like a picture of, of someone 
And then around it are kind of pieces fitting into that, all individual paintings, but fitting into wow. that to make one large crowd on the wall yeah. with yeah. a with a storyline. Um, then there's a number of small uh, carvings I've been doing of um, Alora Gorge. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> I went to on my honeymoon, and uh, it has all these wonderful rocks going down into the uh, uh, roots going down on the rocks. In the gorge. What are you carving? Started, it is it wood carving? It's yeah, it's two by two inch carvings, and yeah. um, they're intricate kind of. Uh, they're going to be in shadow boxes. I have about four or five of them, and uh, yeah. I, you know, I have about ten in mind that I have set aside, and uh, so that's you know that's a project. Um, Fabulous. And there's a couple other small things that I want to do, but but. Uh, these are things I want to finish, you know. Yeah. Uh, before I lay my head down, finally. But uh, <laughs> and but my my sense is, uh, you and I both we're going to keep cranking stuff out until that day yeah. comes, right? Yeah. It's just yeah. too important, too big a part of our uh, of our lives. I'm I'm working with my uh, musical uh, buddy Mike on a new set of songs that I can use for house concerts. So I can do songs and stories. Uh, I did one last um, winter or spring that went so well because 35 people sitting in a room close to you, um, when I whether I was reading them a, a story I'd written or performing a song, you see their faces right there and they are with you. So for me, that's what I'm working on next is um, house concerts, small venues with uh, songs that are appropriate for those kind of small gatherings and stories to go with it. So there's mm -hmm. always something. It never ends, does it? No, it doesn't. No. Yeah, which is a good thing. <laughs> it's a very good thing. That's yeah. what we live for. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Jan, it's always a pleasure to catch up with you. And I'm it's, uh, it's so thank been you. Fun. We'll find another topic to talk about, but uh, right, okay. thanks for talking to me about this one. I really enjoy one. it, Brian. Take care of yourself. Thank you for joining me for my conversation with Janet Handy. If you want to know more about Jan, I've included her contact information in the show notes. As well, I've listed the books we discussed along the way. If you like what you've heard, you might want to subscribe on my website to receive the blog that accompanies each new episode as a backgrounder. You might want to rate the show wherever you get your podcasts. You might also want to join the ongoing conversation on the Mystic Cave Facebook group more information about all this is available in the show notes. Next time, I speak with spiritual teacher Vicki MacArthur, whose faith lifted her unexpectedly from the confines of her conservative Christian roots into the thin air of mystical awakening. And all it took was a single glance. I hope you'll join us. I'm Brian Pearson. This is The Mystic Cave. But I still